Sheila Weidendorf. Thank you, Sheila. We'll hear more from and of Sheila later on. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. It's still Easter, Easter number three. Um, our friend uh, Linnea Good up in Canada wrote this song, Turnstiles and Crooked Miles. And uh, let's sing it for you now. I think the words be on the wall. If you can figure out the refrain, you can sing it with me. Or you can just hum along. That's always good, too. Turnstiles and crooked miles mark the road home And travel seems aimless when all on my own But answers are many and questions too few On the path that the world wants to have me believe leads to you God of the earth and the sky, wind through the elms and the sea the world wants to have me believe leads to you 
said, Easter uh, continues, and it's May, finally, and all the flowers are out, and all the trees are in bloom, and it's good for us to be together. And the table is set, uh, welcoming us to Holy Communion this morning. And uh, I would start just on an up note for the beginning of May, and uh, give a couple checks away. So, uh, Daryl, will you help me out? And uh, Orion, why don't you, you're both right. Well, you know, we write checks every week. Uh, or, uh, generosity that we can do this. So I just thought we'd do this uh, right away. There you go. Orion, you get two. Daryl, you get one. So go ahead, turn around and show those checks. The first one Daryl's got is $32,750 that we sent off this week to the ELCA. And that uh, supports uh, missionaries, mission starts, um, evangelism around the world, uh, young adults in global mission. Lots of things are supported by that. Our bishop's office, the larger church. That's a one-time gift every year uh, from us to the, to the ELCA. And Orion's got one for Hearts and Hammers. That's next week. Some of you might be helping out with Hearts and Hammers. You know by this program, it's local. It's right here. And that's for $2,000. And the second one, Orion, what's the second one you got? Is for Luther Seminary. $1,000 for Luther Seminary, investing in future leaders. So this is, uh, this is what we're able to do because of you. So thank you, Daryl. Appreciate that. Uh, Daryl, here. Thanks for helping. Here's 20 bucks. <laughs> oh, there we go. Thanks. Appreciate it. Orion? <laughs> Wait, I don't, I don't have a 20 left. Uh, only 100. So you have to take the 100. <laughs> sorry, Daryl. No, no, no. Yep, sorry. You no, really? No, no, you I take can't it. take no, it. Take it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sorry, Daryl. <laughs> I invite you to stand if it's comfortable as we sing our opening hymn, All Are Welcome. We gather in the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
continue with the responsive reading for this uh, third Sunday in Easter. When the tomb looms large before our eyes, we are children of the resurrection. We are the painters of the rainbows. We are the breakers of loaves and fishes. We are the raisers of the dead. God is our refuge and our strength. Everyone welcome. Thanks be to God. Our hymn, You Are Holy. We'll sing through it twice. thank you for your gracious invitation to worship and to gather with an imperfect community of faithful doubters and skeptics. Give us the grace to welcome all and give us the courage to lovingly care for each other. We pray in the name of our resurrected Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated.
Good morning, everyone. This is for the third, third Sunday of Easter, May 1st, 2022. The first reading is from the fifth chapter of Galatians. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another, envying one another. The word of the Lord. As we continue to celebrate Easter, it's good to be reminded that Resurrection Sunday came because of the cross. And the grace that we received because of that resurrection and victory over death was a costly grace. This is an early 20th century gospel hymn that talks about the cross, the old rugged cross. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for was slain, so I'll cherish the old rugged cross, till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross. And exchange it someday for a crown. Oh, that old rugged cross, so despised by the world, as a wondrous attraction for me. For the His glory above to bear it to dark Calvary. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last. 
Thank you, Arnie. Great to sing that hymn together. Thanks for inviting us to join you on that. Thanks to our musicians, uh, always. And thank you for being here. I was talking with my friend, uh, Pastor Steve Olson, this week. We go back to, all the way back to seminary uh, together, uh, which means we're both old. But uh, he reminded me of a very, very uh, simple truth. When we are in our 20s, we worry about what people think of us. When we're in our 50s, we don't really care what they think of us. And when we're in our 60s, we realize they were never thinking about us to begin with. <laughs> There's a temptation to think of life as a competition. You heard that in the lesson that Orion read for us. We compare ourselves to others. We measure using metrics that are mostly meaningless. Sven and Oli were always, uh, you're laughing already. 
Sven and Oli were always trying to outdo each other. Their rivalry became bitter. Their competition fierce. Then one day, Sven was walking the beach at Double Bluff when he came along an ancient lamp. You know the kind. He tried to polish it up, and out came a genie. The genie said that it was his lucky day. He'd be granted three wishes. But there was a catch. Whatever he wished for, Oli would get double. Sven thought about it for a moment, and he said, okay, I'd like a million dollars. The genie said, okay, but you know Oli's going to get two million. Sven nodded, and poof, there was a million dollars right there for him. Sven said, next, I'd like a waterfront mansion right here on Whidbey Island. The genie said, no problem, but you remember, Oli's going to have two waterfront mansions. Sven nodded, and poof, there appeared the most beautiful home you've ever seen. Sven now, he braced himself. He braced himself. He said, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. For my final wish, I would like you to beat me half to death. <laughs> I'll explain it to you in the coffee hour if you don't get it. As I said two weeks ago at Easter, bad jokes are a tradition here. This is the third week in a row now that we're entering the stories of Easter. And in doing so this morning, we're going to encounter a critical question. A question, two words, what now? This is a critical question in our lives. Might we say that it's the only question that really matters? What now? It has to do with living in the present. You have heard it said that the past is history. The future is a mystery. All we really have is today, and that's why it's called a present. What now? is about recognizing where you are at at a particular moment. It's about recognizing that not everything is in your control, but some things are. Some things are in your control, so how are you going to choose to live this day right now? Your life is not predestined. No, you are a participant with God. Not everything is in your life is in your control, but some things are. What now? What can I do right now that will be healthy for me, for my family, for my community, for the world? What now? What happened yesterday might be interesting. What happened 20 years ago may have given joy or sorrow, but all of the yesterdays find themselves in the very same category. And what category is that? Things that are not in your control. No matter how hard you try, you cannot change a single detail of yesterday. History is written. It is unchanging. So what now? What will you do today? What will you do the rest of your life? The rest of your life begins today. And the quality of your life will depend mostly on a series of small decisions, daily choices. What now? Our lesson comes from the 21st chapter of the Gospel of John. Early on the first Easter, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. She found the stone which secured the tomb had been removed. So she ran back into Jerusalem, and there she found Simon Peter and the other disciple who is described in the Gospel of John as the one whom Jesus loved. Mary said, they have taken the Lord, they have stolen his body. 
Those were surprising and troubling words, and they sparked a foot race. Peter and the disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, sprinted out through the gates of the old city of Jerusalem, out to the graveyard. And the text says that the disciple that Jesus loved outran Peter. He arrived, and he waited there at the tomb for Peter. They looked inside together. Peter was totally bewildered. But the disciple whom Jesus loved, you know, the the, the fast runner, that one he saw, and he believed. We pick up the story now. Two weeks later, we are on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. The disciples have fled the dangers of Jerusalem for the peaceful Galilee. They are back home in Capernaum, Capernaum. And they have set out to catch themselves some fish. Who is there? Peter. Peter who promised never to leave Jesus aside and then denied him three times. Who else is there? Well, old Doubting Thomas was there. So were the brothers, James and John, and several other of the disciples. So they fish, and they fish, and they fish, and they catch nothing. The nets are empty. There's no sign of life. They fish all night long, and then as the sun is beginning to rise, a shadowy figure appears on the shoreline, and this figure called out to them. He said, hey, hey, you out there in the boat, have you had any luck? Got any fish? Nothing. We have not caught a thing. The man on the shore then offered them a rather absurd piece of advice. He said, throw your nets out on the other side of the boat. Really? Really? We've been fishing all night for hours. You don't think that we have tried the other side of the boat? Uh, Just humor me, my friend. Try the other side. They did, as he suggested, and their nets were suddenly full. Fish, fish, fish everywhere. Fish large, fish small. Filled the nets. It was nothing short of a miracle. A miracle. So, who is that man on the shore? No one could recognize him, certainly not from a hundred yards away. But then the disciple, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, I recognize him. It is the Lord. That's right, the disciple whom Jesus loved, the fast-running, believing disciple, now has excellent eyesight, too, This was the one who recognized Jesus. And with that, Peter jumped into the water. He freestyled the shore as fast as he could. The others took a more traditional route. And as the disciples came ashore, they had a bounce in their steps and a haul of fish that they could not have imagined in their wildest dreams. And if that were not enough, there was the smell of charcoal in the air. Breakfast was being cooked. A charcoal fire was burning, and Jesus was hosting a meal. Bacon and eggs? No, 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 I don't think so. No, it was bread and fish. The meal, not the band. The first meal shared with the disciples since the Last Supper. Bread and fish, a holy encounter with the risen Lord on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. Wow. Let me ask you, have you ever broken a promise to a dear friend or a loved one? Have you ever betrayed someone that you were supposed to love? Have you journeyed through life sometimes weighed down by the memories of that? Of course you have. We all have. 
So let me ask you, what if the one you loved but had betrayed came looking for you, and when they found you, they did not speak words of anger or condemnation, but instead they prepared a meal for you? What if the present was more important than the past? What if they cared more about the possibilities of today than about the frozen, hurtful memories of yesterday? What now? It's the most important question in your life. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus turned to Simon Peter, the one who had betrayed him three times, and Jesus said, I have a critical question for you, Peter. What now? What are you going to do? What are you going to do the rest of your life? Are you going to follow me? The text says that Jesus turned to Simon Peter after breakfast, and as the others were listening in, he said, do you love me, Peter? more than these. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my lambs. And a second time, Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, then tend my lambs. And then Jesus said to him a third time, do you love me? Now, Peter's feelings were kind of hurt at this point. He answered Jesus saying, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Now Jesus looked deep into his eyes. How Jesus loved Peter. How Jesus loved this bold, brash, and awkward disciple. How Jesus loved him, this rock on which the church would be built. It was a sacred moment. It was a special moment. There was a shared intimacy as Jesus held Peter close and said, Peter, follow me. Now, the text could have ended right there. Healing for a broken man. Forgiveness for the one who had denied Jesus three times. New life, a new beginning. The text could have ended there, but it doesn't. For in that intimate moment, as Jesus held Peter and professed his love for him, Peter turned and saw. He saw the other disciple. Oh, you know the one. The one that Jesus loved. The fast runner. The insightful one. The one with good vision. The faithful one the one who sat closest to Jesus at the Last Supper. Peter is face-to-face now with Jesus. Peter has God's full attention, but out of the corner of the eye, he saw the other disciple, and he said, Lord, what about him? And Jesus said, what is that to you? How many times have we been robbed of our joy because we find it necessary to measure our success by comparing ourselves to others. How many times are we robbed of our joy because we feel that someone else is getting a better deal? Oh, Ryan got a better deal than you, Daryl. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not fair. It's not fair. He's a faster runner. I can't help that. She was born more beautiful. She's a better singer. They have a bigger home. They go on better vacations. Everything comes easy to them. Lord, what about them? Why do they have it so good? Jesus says, we're not talking about them. 
We're talking about you, Peter. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But what about him? What about John? What kind of a deal is he going to get? What type of a position will he have in the church? It's not fair. What is that to you, Peter? Listen, Peter, you denied me three times. And now I have a word for you. Here it is. I love you. I love you. I love you. You. That's right, you. You, the slow runner, I love you. You whose faith is so shaky, I love you. You are lousy at walking on water, but you know what? I love you. You are impulsive. You are arrogant. You are a pain in the butt sometimes, Peter, I got to tell you. But I love you. We're not talking about John. We're not talking about Mary. We're talking about you, Peter. And I'm calling you to abundant life, but you must decide how you want to live the rest of your life. Are you going to spend the rest of your life looking over your shoulder? Or will you look at the one who loves you and holds you close and forgives you and calls you to new life? My friends, if we find it necessary to measure our success and our worth and our value by comparing ourselves to others, then we are going to have a life of resentment and envy. Because the truth is, you can always find someone who seems to be better off than you are. But that does not mean that you are not loved and blessed by God. And you can always find someone who's worse off than you are. More disease, more family trouble, more financial trouble. But that does not negate or diminish your suffering. And God is equally concerned about you. Because God loves you. So where will we find this abundant life? The text is very clear. Abundant life is found in service. Tending and feeding. That's what Jesus said. Tend and feed. Now these words can be understood in a variety of ways. It has to do with food, certainly. Food for the hungry. It has to do with shelter and clothing. It has to do with peace and justice. Feed and tend. Tend and feed. But there's more to it than that. So let's be very clear. For Scripture is clear, and Jesus taught us this truth by his own example. So you ready to repeat after me? Here we go. God has a bias. God has a bias for the poor. God has a bias for the outcast. God has a bias for the widows and orphans. God has a bias for the vulnerable. God has a bias for those who cannot help themselves. God has a bias for children. Yeah, those children behind me on the wall. And all the little children of the world. Feed and tend, tend and feed. The call of this text is both corporate for our congregation, but it's personal for each of us as well. And this text reminds us of what God had in mind for the church 2,000 years ago. If the church is faithful and true, if the church loved Jesus... It will feed and tend the lost and the broken and the vulnerable. 
And that means that every down-on-their-luck bum and tax collector and sinner who was welcomed at the table of Jesus had better be welcomed at our table as well. But too often the church of Jesus has missed the mark. Instead of tending and feeding, the, the church has been preoccupied. Preoccupied with another task. Conformity. Conformity of thought and behavior. The church lost its way as it sought to make people think and act in a particular way. You see what happened? The church fell into Peter's trap. What about them? How could God love them? How could God love the leper, the immigrant, the migrant, the gay and lesbian, the divorced and the doubters? You see, the church was never meant to be a gathering of sinless saints. Jesus never sought conformity. On the contrary, we know very well who we are, don't we? If we take off our mask and we're honest, we will recognize that we are often a mess, all of us. Our relationships broken, our families are complicated to say the least. We are sinners begging for grace. We wake up each morning painfully aware of our faults. Yeah, it's not easy being us, is it? And no one has it easy. And no life is free from pain and sorrow. And that is why Jesus calls us personally and corporately to feed and tend to each other. It is a calling of our church. It's a calling of individuals who want to follow Jesus. There's no need to judge. Our lives do not need to measure up. We do not need to compare ourselves to others. We are just loved. Just loved and no one is excluded from God's love. That's good news, isn't it? Let's see if we can live it. I'd invite you to stand as we sing our hymn. How then shall we live? Took a walk outside of my walking, stepped inside another shoe. Walked the dusty borders between us Hands I'd never chosen to choose How then shall I live? How then shall I live? How then shall I live? Oh God, how then shall I live? Heard a sign outside of my listening Felt the living hum of the ground Waited on the voice of the Spirit
now to God in prayer. Orion's going to lead us. Each petition will end. Hear us, O God, and our response, your mercy is great. Remembering the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we pray for the witness of the church the wholeness of creation, and all who are in need. God, we ask, how shall we live? Bring to us the sense of your living presence as we go into this new week. Renew in us the faith you want us to have, a faith that is bold to reach out and share the, grace, share the treasure of grace and the hope you have given us. Hear us, O God. We praise you for the beauty of the universe. Grant us the wisdom to use our power to develop sustainable ways of living. Curb our rush to consume and build up our willingness to share this bounty we have received. Hear us, O oh God. We pray for peacemakers around the world. Bring an end to violence. Restore communities near and far. Let us hear your call to welcome the refugee and shelter the homeless. Keep us all from the lust for power and the crushing will of tyrants. Help us to be agents of hope in a weary world. Hear us, O oh God. Loving God, you know our hearts and our needs, and you know the hearts and needs of those around us. We remember all who are ill or facing death. Turn their mourning into dancing and clothe them with joy. Hear us, O God. Receive these prayers, O God, and transform us through them, that we may have eyes to see and hearts to understand not only what you do on our behalf, but what you call us to do. Open our hearts to your movement around us and between us and within us till you are revealed in our love of both friend and enemy, in communities transformed by justice and compassion, and in the healing of all that is broken. Hear us, O God. Receive these prayers in the name of the risen Christ, who is one with you and the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you. Please share a sign of peace and greeting with one another. Thank you. Uh, thank you for sharing that greeting of peace. After service, come on over to the gym for a time of coffee and cookies and fellowship. Uh, yesterday, we had a uh, funeral service, uh, a funeral service here, and then a, a graveside service at Columbarium for Webb Halverson. Uh, Webb was 103 years old. 
uh, came into Normandy Beaches in D-Day, and um, we celebrated his life yesterday with his family and folks here. And um, the, fl- the flowers are from uh, the Halverson family for the funeral, and they also have cake for you after the service, uh, cake with a pictures of Webb on the front of it. Uh, he may, you may remember last September 26th, uh, he was here in church for his 103rd birthday on a Sunday morning. We sang to him. It was a beautiful thing. We showed a clip yesterday of that uh, service, so we're very thankful. Um, welcome to all those who are watching online, including Kathleen Autumn, who watches online these days. It's her birthday today. Happy birthday, Kathleen. And Ron, I heard it's your birthday. Tomorrow? Is it, is it your birthday tomorrow? It's to your birthday tomorrow. Well, happy birthday to you, Ron. Yeah, happy birthday. Um, yeah. Adult Forum today, Dr. Tom Johnson, one of our most popular uh, teachers, is going to be down the hall uh, teaching on the Psalms. Uh, you do want to take advantage of that. Down the hall to the left in the fireside room, Dr. Tom uh, Johnson. Uh, the mini-me's behind me, uh, it, those are from the preschoolers every year, and I wrote about it yesterday, but uh, you see those there today, and you're welcome to come up and see those uh, after the service uh, as well. Uh, Lana, do you have something for us? Miss Lana Johnson is our volunteer coordinator and one of my bosses. <laughs> and he always listens, you know. <laughs> Um, So I I am kind of in the process of recruiting some volunteers. So I am going to be in the gym today with clipboard. Now the two jobs that I'm looking for, they're very difficult. So I'm looking for some people that might be able to handle this. Um, The first one is greeting. Okay. Now, um, I, I could train you, but I think that elementary school kind of trained you for that already. Because remember... Back in elementary, when your teacher at the beginning of every week assigned you a job. And the job that reminds me of greeting is the door holder, okay? Because you kind of open the door and you say good morning, good morning, good morning. Even though you really weren't supposed to talk when you were the door holder, I will allow that. So um, if you were a door holder and that was one of the jobs that you really looked forward to when you were in elementary school, see me in the gym, let's get you signed up to greet, okay? The other one is ushering. Okay? Now, some of you kind of think, eh, I don't think I can do that. But now think back to elementary. Think about when you got to be the paper passer. <laughs> you know? I mean, everybody wanted to be the paper passer. So that's what a usher does. They stand at the door and they give you a paper, okay? So that's, I mean, I think that we could probably do that now. Yes, there are a few other responsibilities like counting, which I could help you with because I was a math teacher for 38 years. So so that's another, you know, responsibility as as an usher. But I'm really pretty sure that I have a lot of you out there that already have been trained in these two jobs and that I think that you could do, okay? And I would love to see more of you take part in that because it is, it's a great, it's a great time. All right, thank you. Thank you, Lana, yeah. Uh, coming out of the pandemic, we're making every effort to kind of re-engage, re- recharge, get everybody back uh, in, the, in the life of the parish. Uh, Deacon Amy, you're in the life of the parish every day. I am indeed. Um, so speaking of recharge, just a reminder about our, um, 
Oh, no, what is it? Revive 22 has this container gardening class coming up this week on Tuesday. That will be outside in the courtyard. So there's a sign-up sheet. There's a few spaces left available, so you can sign up for that on the table in the narthex. And just remember that um, unless it's raining, we will be outside, so do dress for the weather. We're hoping for, for a great day for that. Um, information, upcoming events, confirmation class meets today after the second service. We're down the hall in the fireside room. And then middle school youth group meets every Wednesday from 5 to 6.30. And then our high school kids are here on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And then this Friday is our first lock-in in two years. I am so excited to have these kids here overnight. So that's for all of our middle school kiddos. We'll meet here at 7 o'clock Friday and leave at 8 o'clock Saturday morning. So that will be a, a good time. And then looking forward, Vacation Bible School is scheduled for July 18th to 22nd. It's just one of my favorite weeks every summer. So if you have kiddos who might be interested in that, come and see me. Um, registration links are also on our website. Or if you would like to volunteer and help out with that week, it takes a lot of people to put this week together, and it really is a lot of fun. So come and talk to me. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Amy. Carl, you have some for us? I do. We have uh, several things coming up as things get rolling again. Wednesday night here at 6.30, choir rehearsal. If that's something you want to do, come and join us. 6 on Wednesday and then we have a bunch of concerts um, here and other places and um, this coming Saturday night the night before Mother's Day is going to be a special concert with Sheila and her daughter Ada. Ada is a is an actor but she also sings from the stage sometime but Sheila and Ada were asked to do a concert at Wicca and this Saturday at some time <laughs> There's going to be a concert, and it should be absolutely um, wonderful. You will enjoy it. Um, wonderful spirits, wonderful music, uh, so join them at Wicca. And then um, on the 8th, the next day, the next uh, Sunday afternoon, the Whidbey Island Orchestra will be here for a concert. Um, lots of wonderful music. Arnie Bergstrom is uh, sort of central to that whole process, but they'll be here at, sorry, Arnie, what time? I should know, 3 o'clock. Um, Sunday afternoon, the 8th, that's Mother's Day afternoon. And then the following weekend, a benefit here in this, in this place on Saturday, the 14th, for Ukraine. Again, Sheila will be here, but this time with Tekla Cunningham, violinist um, and founder of Whidbey Island uh, uh, Music Festival and other wonderful events. So lots of concerts. Come and talk to me if you need more information. You'll see this poster for Sheila and... Uh, and Tekla in Ukraine. Anyway, lots of music. Information's in your bulletin as well, and we'll keep an eye on emails for that as well. We're going to move towards the celebration of Holy Communion. Uh, we'll be communing on each side of the baptismal font by intinction. Uh, the first shall of wine, the second shall of grape juice. Uh, so you receive the host, hold on to it momentarily, then dip it and tinct it in the chalice of your choice. Most importantly, know that you are all welcome. And as we transition towards uh, preparing the table, uh, our preschoolers are going to sing for us. Usually they'd be here in person. This time they recorded for us. Like a rock, like a rock.
of our country. <laughs> if it's comfortable, I invite you to stand. We gather around a table now that welcomes Christians of a variety of denominations and colors in all corners of the world, a table that welcomed our parents and grandparents. As we gather, we remember a Thursday night in an upper room in Jerusalem. It was the night in which he was betrayed. Our Lord Jesus took the bread and gave thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And again, after supper, he took the cup and gave thanks. He gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. As often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, Jesus has promised to be present with us. Let us pray now as he taught us to pray. Our Father...
These are the gifts of God for you, the people of God. All are welcome. Please come. You may be seated.
may the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you now and always in God's grace. Amen. Fed and forgiven, go out those doors to make a difference in the world. And as you go, may God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our sending him is a reminder that we're going to go out to tend and feed. We are called.
Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.